Greetings and salutations for this ZB cast. Uh, my name is Jeff, and I am joined by several friends this evening. Uh, I have Aaron and David and John. And we're excited to be able to share with you. Tonight in our podcast, we're going to, to, going to be discussing the pros and cons of celebrating Halloween. We're also going to talk a little bit about Bible burning, which you'll have to listen to hear what that's about. Also, we're going to talk about alternatives for Christians in Halloween. And to wrap it up, we're going to talk about letters to our ZB cast. So I hope you are going to enjoy our podcast this evening because we're going to have a lot of fun. And to start things off... Uh, we are coming up upon the season we celebrate Halloween, and so we thought it would be interesting to kind of we. Let's put the parent we yes quotes. Yeah. true by we we're talking as a culture in the United States. Right. We're going to celebrate Halloween, um, knowing that um, saints have a variety of responses to this uh, so-called holiday, and so we're going to talk about uh, Halloween and begin by talking about whether or not we think saints should even celebrate Halloween, and if so, what are some appropriate responses to this celebration. Uh, David, what do you think about Halloween? I'm all for it. I think that um, it's an opportunity for uh, small children to enjoy dressing up. They have, there's really, uh, I have two young children. My, my daughter, she has no idea any kind of indication that this is anything more than a time to put on costumes and go get candy. And I, I really don't find the harm. So bearing false witness by dressing as other things? A princess? She is my princess, so she's not bearing any false witness when she dresses up like a princess. But isn't that the trick, though, that they don't know any better? Any better than what? That it came from a pagan holiday. What came from a pagan holiday? Going and getting candy from people? No, that it's been reduced to that, that it started out as a pagan holiday, and now it's just culturally been reduced to going out and getting candy. Uh, So was Easter. And that, yeah, and see, that, I think that's the perfect argument is that, well, what about Easter? What about Christmas? Should we do away with, uh, you know, finding Easter eggs? Should we do away with uh, several other uh, c- cultural things that are acceptable? I don't, is, is, uh, is there any problems with decorating Christmas trees? I know some people, they, they don't do that. I have friends that don't. There you go. I think that a lot of people... Uh, um, I, I, they attack Halloween. I don't know if it's a convenient attack for them, if it's just uh, an easy one for them to go after, but I don't find that they're consistent in all of their stances that they take. Well, I, th- I think the difference with Halloween is it never it never even pretended to transition into something other than a day of or a celebration of things that were less than good. Celebrating darkness, celebrating fear, uh, celebrating death. I mean, it's a, I mean, all Hallow's Eve. I mean, it's a it was a time. I mean, it's uh, the roots are. I mean, the the day before All Saints Day. It was a, a time to to revel and to to do as much sinning as you could because the next day you were supposed to um, be purified. And so, I mean, it's that was the genesis, and it's never departed. Versus those other holidays that you mentioned, um, Easter, and even the the timeliness of when we celebrate Christmas. Those might have began as pagan, but they have. Um, the celebrations themselves uh, magnify something else versus Halloween still doesn't Halloween still magnifies things that are uh, less than savory. So if, if you were to allow, if a family were to allow their children to dress up as 
biblical characters and use Halloween as a holiday to celebrate those Christian beliefs, would that justify the dressing up and, and participating on that particular time? I, I would say in, in some context, maybe more so. But we look at it's still, I mean, we look at even even culturally as a larger as a larger culture. When you participate in something and encourage something, to a certain extent, you're encouraging the the greater celebration of that day. And Christmas, while there were the timeliness of when we celebrate Christmas, uh, has some different ramifications. As a whole, our culture celebrates it as a time of um, peace and reflection and of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, even if, I mean, some of the gift-giving and other things have become a little outlandish. There's still, as a whole, the culture celebrates one thing versus Halloween. When you, I, I, I don't have children, but uh, I mean, but when you raise children and have them celebrate Halloween, the transition between understanding it, maybe how you want to emphasize it now and when they transition they'll still just enjoy halloween and they'll just the depth of their uh, celebration will change and they won't necessarily understand the differentiation between your beliefs on it and maybe when they um, go to school or have uh, other friends that celebrate in different ways well back to what david was saying that uh, what if they were to dress up as biblical characters, and that that goes right uh, right along with this news story that I found from uh, CBN.com, the Christian Broadcasting Network, and uh, it's an article written by Andy Freeman, and he says here, the, this is him, the biggest trick played on Halloween is Christian kids and adults being bottled up inside churches or homes all night, and he goes on to say, think about it, how many chances do you get to mix with our neighbors during the year? He says, imagine the shock when an angel, instead of a devil, greets the nice lady down the block. A child with please and yes, even Jesus loves you and God bless as they receive their uh, candy corn. <laughs> uh, that's one of those times where we should have a video podcast. <laughs> you can see the hand gestures that David's making. Uh, but uh, he, I mean, he, he concludes that Jesus wants us to engage our neighbors and cultures, not hide from them uh, on October 31st. But John, I appreciate that stance, John, but it's kind of like I was trying to say earlier that God has called us to be a peculiar people. And sometimes being a peculiar people is not taking part in a celebration that the rest of society is taking oh, part Oh, man, in. I hear a switch coming on. <laughs> and and, and we, need to, it's, we need to teach our children it's not always easy to stand up for your beliefs. It's not always easy to stand up for what's right. And sometimes that means that we do not participate in something that everybody else is participating in because of these strongly held beliefs that we had. So, Jeff, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. It's not necessarily a good thing for, for kids to participate in Halloween. What? 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 Are you disagreeing with Jeff? I thought Jeff was the one saying. What, Jeff the one that said that earlier? Was that Aaron? I don't think I said that. I think. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're doing a switch up, so I'm going to switch now too. Fair so I, I would say that I believe in taking a stand for right and for wrong. Uh, and I mean, stand for right and against wrong. Yet I don't know that I can find something scriptural that defines Halloween as wrong. So. I would like to save my stands for things that are meaningful, and I, I kind of think that if we can, we ought to find we ought to find some scripture that we can stand on if we're going to take a different stand. Well, sure. to even bring it closer to home, I don't know that there's any doctrine in the Restoration that says yay or nay on any holiday. 
Uh, I actually did a little bit of research uh, to find out what different uh, denominations, different faiths feel about Halloween. Catholics, uh, Judaism, um, they people of authority seem to always say you shouldn't do it. Uh, Mormons, the LDS, they they say nah, you shouldn't do it. But then people that are of the faith say, well, we just you know. We keep it for face value. Our kids get to dress up and go get candy, and that's it. So it seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag across all religions, with, with the exception of maybe, uh, say, the the Eastern religions, uh, Sikhism, Hinduism. I mean, it's it really is more of a Western culture than it is uh, anything from Europe. Well, because the Genesis was the day before All Saints Day. And so, I mean, that Genesis was... Well, uh, that was one of the Genesis. That's, one of the, that's the main one that... The, 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 the timing of it was, the, was prior to All Saints Day, there would be a celebration of all things hallowed. Sure. So, but the, the Genesis of the trick or treat, some have tied all the way back to... Um, yeah, you're, you're going to have to splice this, but uh, all the way back to... You don't know. <laughs> no, we're not splicing it. <laughs> Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> all the way back to Stonehenge, and uh, they they would go out basically and say trick or treat in their language, and if if you didn't give them food for their celebration, uh, then they played a mortal trick on you. They they would take the daughter of the house or different things. Um, yeah, so there were some really gruesome things that were part of the history of this, or I should say that some people have tied to the history of this, that, you know, pre- predate the All Saints Day. That's like extortion. Well, there's, but there's more, to, there's, there's more to Halloween than just trick-or-treating. I mean, you look at um, haunted houses. I mean, should, should saints go to haunted houses? What if oh. your house is haunted? Should you go back to you your house? You mean like a, Literally? <laughs> No, not little haunted. Like, should they go to, um, like, uh, da- like downtown? There's several haunted houses, and I, I was actually oh, like the beast, like the beast, okay. or like I mean, I mean, so I mean, should should saints go there? Is that a is that a place that saints should should visit? Do we do we believe in haunted houses? I mean, if we believe in them, then maybe we should take a different action than if we say, oh, it's just make believe. Well, do we believe in? I don't think we believe in. I think we believe that the spiritual realm has many factors that we don't always necessarily understand. But I don't necessarily believe that we. I mean, there's nothing to believe or disbelieve about a haunted house, a horror house that horror house that um, it takes place in a in a place that's all set up for that. So I don't know. That's these are these are some interesting questions. Are there any other? I mean, regard. I remember my own spiritual journey. Uh, we had a family worship group, and when I probably was when I was like 12 or 13, um, we as a family worship group studied Halloween, and as a bunch of families, we decided that we weren't going to celebrate Halloween anymore because of um, because of our understanding of that holiday and what it stood for and what it magnified and what it glorified. We decided, um, all the families did, to stop celebrating it. And so that's where I came from. I mean, I'm not... I mean, I've gone to Halloween parties for coworkers and such, but it's something I've always I've, I've kind of pondered when and if I do have children, how I will address it with them. So if you decide as a family not to celebrate Halloween, I wonder if there are any other alternatives out there. 
Did you guys hear about the Baptist church that's celebrating Halloween by burning Bibles? <laughs> what? Oh, yes. Uh, this comes out of KWTX 10. You want to read it? Oh, sure. <coughs> One Baptist church to celebrate Halloween by burning Bibles? The Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina, will celebrate Halloween by burning Bibles that aren't the King James Version, as well as music and books and anything else Pastor Mark Grizzard says is a satanic influence. Among the authors who, whose books Gizzard plans to burn... These guys must be terrible people. They I must be. to hear this list. Um, so, they are, are well-known ministers such as Rick Warren and... Billy Graham, because he says they have occasionally used Bibles other than the King James Version, which is the sole biblical source he considers infallible. According to the church's website, members will also burn Satan's music such as country, rap, rock, pop, heavy metal, western, soft and easy, southern gospel, contemporary gospel, southern gospel, contemporary Christian, jazz, soul, and oldies. Who's that one guy that you used to like to listen to? Uh, uh, Kirk, Mark, Kirk Franklin. Kirk Franklin used to like to listen to. Is he still do? I don't think he was on the list to be no. burned though. Was he? Is he Southern Gospel? That's contemporary Christian. It was on he the just, list. I think contemporary Christian, Southern Gospel. He fits in there somewhere. Somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Gregorian chants is not on the list, so we can still nice. listen to those Gregorian chants. But I'm not sure you can listen to all hymns because I'm sure some hymnals. Have satanic influences in them. Well, yeah. many, so, and some hymns were taken from uh, bars, bars, from, from bars. pubs, from like pub <laughs> tunes. Right. Uh, wait, what? Uh, what? Onward Design? Is that a bar song? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I do know that they will also be burning Satan's popular books written by heretics like Billy Graham, Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, John MacArthur, James Dobson, Charles Swindoll. Otherwise, it was Chuck Swindoll, John Piper, Chuck Colson, uh, Tony Evans, Oral Roberts, Jimmy Swaggart, uh, Mark Driscoll, Franklin Graham, Bill Bright, Tim LaHaye, Paula White, T.D. Jakes, Benny Hen, Joyce Myers, Brian McLaren, Robert Schuler, Mother Teresa, the Pope, all of them, Rob Bell, Erwin McManus, Donald Miller, Shane Claiborne, Brennan Manning, and William Young. Sounds like any pastor except this pastor. Pretty much. It's almost an honor to get your name on that list, huh? I, I would. Yeah. I wish I'd I was like to be list. in that list with any, Mother Teresa. And any other reason you might want to show up to that party? Well, the, the good news is during the book burning, according to the website, barbecued chicken fried chicken and all the sides will be served. So if you're planning on making a trip down to Canton, North Carolina, they will enjoy to have you there. Shall we rent a bus and load everybody up? I think up? we shall. Well, okay. First response. It seems silly and just one more thing that the church has to defend. doesn't matter which church. That the world would look at the Christians and say, what a bunch of nuts. That's my first response. But I'm sure that they're thinking they will, they will get people come visit because of this. Well, and uh, we should also say there, there's a link to the, web, there, the church's website on, on the news story. And when we tried to visit it tonight, it was down. We are theorizing that either it has gotten overloaded with hits or somebody's hacked the site. My guess is it's gotten overloaded with hits. I won't claim to have hacked that site. <laughs> do, but, you know, it begs the question, do they truly believe what they're doing is right? 
I mean, is that the type of conviction that we as church members should have? I don't think we should attribute... Um, Actions bordering on violence? No, no, I, I was about to say, I don't think we should attribute um, make-believe in their beliefs when they're opposing uh, a holiday about make-believe. Yeah, it does kind of seem like a glib response to Halloween, but, you know. <laughs> I'm sure that they believe what they... Well, I mean, and I, I think so, something I find interesting and intriguing is I think it's interesting how we as a church are so quick to embrace others that even condemn us. Um, because many of those people on that list, while we, parts of them we respect, many of them have criticized Book of Mormon believers and the Book of Mormon as heresy themselves. But yet we're quick to embrace them as being spiritual authorities. And we're, using, we're quick to gloss over their criticism, criticisms of us, but still embrace other things that we might see as wisdom. And you're, you're referring to spiritual authorities in terms of uh, leaders in the faith, so to speak, not necessarily priesthood authority. Well, all the above. I mean, they would – I mean, well, how I'm referring to it is they would, they would criticize us, Book of Mormon believers, saying that we're – they would call us heretics. Right. No, you were saying that we look up to them as spiritual authorities. Well, by spiritual authority, I mean, like we, uh, many people in the church, not all, but look up, look to James Dobson as having some, some real nuggets of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And our, I, mean, we, I, I imagine the Restoration has purchased thousands of dollars worth of his materials over the years. The Veterans and Odyssey? Yeah. No. I mean, there's a lot, I, mean I, 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 would, I would say that many people in the church would say that um, – Billy Graham has done some good things. I imagine a lot of people have read Rick Warren's books. And so I, I, I but yet we're just kind of gloss over the idea that they're also highly critical of us. I think we have an appreciation for, we try to have an appreciation for what people are able to do with the knowledge that they have and not to justify or, or to absolve them of any opportunity that they might've had to have read the book of Mormon and to begin to understand that. But yet the ministry that they are able to provide with the, the scriptures that they have before them, I think, is is what we find commendable or attempt to find commendable. Would you to, say? Say that he, to say that they're a scriptural authority in my life or a spiritual authority probably isn't – might go a little bit further than I'm comfortable well, with. Well, I, I mean, I know people that are – that have provided, like, marriage counseling before that have used many materials that were not Restoration Genesis. They were brought about by – other sources outside the church that are those same critical sources, but we would use their materials as spiritual counsel. We use we use materials of Charles Wesley in our hymnal. We so I don't think that I don't think we as a religion say that if somebody's opposed to us, we are opposed to them. I, I mean, I would almost argue that we we don't all agree with each other. Sometimes that doesn't mean we have to like. Ex- kick each other out of our building well, or very, not recognize very, each other for the good things we do know about each other. Well, even this very conversation of whether or not it's uh, whether or not it's okay to celebrate Halloween, we all have different views on it. I think it's okay. Yeah, but there's a vast difference on having a minor difference of opinion on celebration of a holiday versus if I were to say, I think you're a heretic because you believe in something. Well, that's true, but just I mean, they wouldn't even. To, that lot of, I mean, many of these people on that list would not even consider us Christian, right? And, and to be fair, that that analogy doesn't hold up. That the fact that the, all of us don't agree on Halloween to hold that to the same level as, well, I don't believe in your book, so we're going to burn it. I, I, those are on different levels. Well, but so I will say within that, the restoration, we have people who 
would take uh, points of view on the Godhead and say, you're a heretic for one side or the other. And yet, we will continue to fellowship with each other despite our views. And, and I mean, you go down the list, what about, um, what about keeping the, the law of Moses? I mean, we have people who say, you're a heretic if you believe you should keep it. And we have people who say, uh, we, we don't have Zion today because we don't keep it. And so we have very strong opinions on both sides. And you, I would but both, say but both sides respect each other as being part of the faith. Correct. Versus in this. We claim each other as brothers and sisters. What I'm differentiating is they don't claim us as brothers and sisters. But, but whether we, or not we strictly are claiming you, them. Can't you claim them? We can, but I, I just think it's an interesting dichotomy that they condemn us as heretics, but yet, and their forefathers are the ones that tarred and feathered Joseph Smith. But yet we embrace them at this point. So who's showing the greater love in that in that uh, unbalanced relationship? Well, who's who, who's decided to maybe compromise would be another way to look at it. Is it compromise if they've written a good book and we read it? Depends on whether or not it's a good book. I think we're I think we we take a lot of liberalities at times with accepting things. This 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 gentleman, this congregation is taking a very um, a very firm stand, and I, on on one level, I think it's silly, but on the other level, I I have to respect him to a certain degree, because he is uncompromising, and I think we as a church have gotten extremely proficient at compromising. If if, if you're going to uh, toss out everybody as a heretic that that has some sort of fallibility, you're going to be left standing. You're not even going to be with yourself. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not say, I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying I agree with him. I, I just respect the fact that because we as a church, we, we compromise a lot okay. on a lot of, on a lot of um, different things that are in our scriptures that we've decided that aren't quite as important as they once were. You know, it's interesting that some attribute to Joseph Smith uh, a statement that all other churches – had fallen, had fallen short of the glory of God. That they were all an abomination. An abomination. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if he used abomination or. I think that was. I thought it was a different. Anyway, so I mean, he essentially made the same stand that this man is. That, in essence, they were all heretics. It's a good point from God's perspective. But he also hired Jewish rabbis to come and teach at the school of the prophets. So maybe he was limiting his judgment to Christian churches. I don't know. I mean, but but I mean, and so I, I think there's. A, I mean, I, I I don't think we have a corner on what the way to handle it is. I just think it's it's easy to belittle him because he's doing this. But um, I, I think it's, I, I, it's on on some levels. I think it's admirable that he's willing to stand against. Um, society and against even Christian society and say, you know, I believe this is the truth and I'm going to back it up. Sure. Whether or not I agree with what he thinks is true or not, I find it admirable that he's willing to do that and sacrifice um, many followers just because he believes that's the truth. So we can agree with his convictions that he feels this is this is a stand that he should take. Even if we don't agree with, with burning books, yeah, period. What I, he's mean, doing. I, mean, I would I, say we agree with him, and we need to burn his books, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a heretic. <laughs> I just, I, I just I, I think, I mean, it's a, I, I find myself torn as far as how I want to respond to him. Well, and, and that's how I feel. I feel, first response, this guy is a nut. Second response is, that is a very proactive statement. I think that there's a difference between 
uh, the stand he is taking and the way he's taking it and the stand, for example, that Joseph Smith took and the way he took it. And I remember now, Joseph Smith didn't call those other churches abominations. He called their doctrines creeds. abominations. Their creeds. The creeds are, you. Yeah, you're right. And so, good but, the, but the difference is he is basically saying they're all basically the spawn of Satan and and that they are, in fact, tools of Satan. Whereas I would say that uh, Joseph Smith and especially his, his son Joseph Smith III showed a lot more respect towards other people and their, and their beliefs, recognizing that they were following their beliefs in as best they understood, but not lumping them as the spawn of Satan. Right. I mean, this well, guy's this guy's really demonstrating a ton of hate, mm-hmm. and and I don't think that's really showing forth the spirit of God in his beliefs. No, and I want to be I want to be very clear about this that we are not going to go exploring the road of moral relativity, because if we start getting to that point, like with this guy, well, it's his point of view, and he's standing up for it, so that's good. I don't want to go down that road because then that could lead into all sorts of things, even so far as to say we don't have well, time for that what, what Hitler did, he thought that was the right thing to exterminate the Jews. So uh, I'll stand by his convictions. I don't agree with, his, with what he was doing, but he sure, he sure stood by what he did. I won't go with that or uh, Mao or, or anybody else like, like that. Uh, so uh, I want to make that very clear that we, we are not going to uh, say that moral relativity is okay, that there are things that are morally wrong. Anyway, well, what's morally I, wrong about what he's doing? Well, like what Aaron is said. Bring, is bring a book morally wrong? Well, the, the but the, the perception of what he's doing, as Aaron said, is it doesn't seem to be an act that is loving. Well, but do we know this guy? We're reading, we're reading a, a report from a very skewed report. A very skewed report from... Well, no, I checked out the website, and the website, the, the, this did not... Uh, this did not veer from the website. But I, see, I mean, just burning books. I, I mean, while our modern so- sensibilities tend to view that, like, I mean, because I mean, the the biggest example of book burning was Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we think of book burning, that's what we think of. I mean, whether or not we want to, that's what comes to my mind when I think of book burning. I think of Nazis standing around a fire, burning everything they can except for Mein Kampf. Versus, I mean, just the act of burning books. I'm not sure that's necessarily vi- I, I don't know I don't know this man at all all I, I mean I know that this press release makes him sound very silly and makes him sound like he's a little bit on the extreme side but I don't I don't know I mean they're selling they're, they're serving barbecued chicken fried chicken so I mean apparently they're not going in, I mean they're not doing it at night apparently it seems like it's something like a just a here's what we're doing on a Saturday afternoon bottom line they're serving chicken no we're serving some chicken <laughs> Okay, well, let's move on. So, what's a Christian to do if they don't want to go to the extreme or the perception of the extreme of burning Bibles? Uh, A couple ideas that I found on the internet is you can pass out scripture candy. They contain uh, wrappers that have scripture verses in it. Another thing that I found that you can give out, you can actually give out Halloween-themed Bible tracks. Here, you want to read this one, David? The candy you get this year may be really sweet, but the sweetest treat of all is how much God loves you. You know the candy that people give you at Halloween? If you didn't accept it, it wouldn't be yours. The same is true with God's great gift of forgiveness and eternal life. You have to accept his gift. That means believe Jesus died for you and rose again to take away your sin. 
So is this something you read to all the kids that come and knock on your door? Well, I think you give them the pamphlet or the track, and okay. then they read it on their own. And if they if they if it ever sees the light of day, I'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. It, one in a hundred kids actually read that. No. Hey, just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, there's a cup. Now, I'm not you, saying it's not gave, true. If you gave out candy with it, they might be inclined. They, it would they at least, could be. No, they'd eat the candy. They're going to eat the candy. They're going to leave that alone. Yeah, maybe so. But. Well, here's a couple other suggestions. If you don't, if you want to forego the trick-or-treating altogether, uh, instead of the usual youth car wash fundraiser, the church youth can sell pumpkins, and the profits can go towards funding the next youth camp. You could have a pumpkin cook-off, a carving decoration, uh, demonstration, or even a pumpkin bake sale. Does that sound like fun to anybody? No. I know a lot of churches actually um, have what are called trunk or treats, where they have like they'll have their parking lot full of cars, and each car will open up the trunk and they'll decorate the trunk and have um, treats that they pass out there. And it's a way for church members or community members to come together and be in a safe place with a lot of community members and share candy, share fellowship. Uh, I know there's a couple uh, churches in uh, close to where I work that are sponsoring those events. Um, there's, I think there's some restoration branches that might even do something similar I to think that. Outreach restoration branch does something very similar. And there's some schools that do that. I mean, so it's and that's a. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to embrace that, I think that would be a way to keep everybody safe and make it so it's a very controlled environment. Here's another suggestion: as a Christian alternative to Halloween, consider offering a Noah's Ark party. You could read Genesis' account of Noah's Ark, and ideas for planning would be numerous. Food choices could follow, quote, pet food or feed store themes. And you could dress up as your favorite animal. Nice. You could celebrate what you're eating clean or unclean animals. You could <laughs> the unclean foods yeah. where you have, like, uh, lots of bacon. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And if you want to forego it all together, you could just celebrate Reformation Day, also on October 31st. Or you can turn off all the lights in your house, <laughs> sneak down to the basement, turn on your TV, dim all the windows so nobody knows you're home, and hope they don't hate you. Yeah, you could do that too. But remember, uh, Andy Freeman said that Jesus wants us to engage our neighbors, not hide from them. I think that is a good point. I think he's a heretic. Of course he did. <laughs> when we're done with this, we're going to burn that printout. <laughs> okay. Did you guys ever watch scary movies when you were kids? Tried not to. I don't like scary movies. David? I kind of like them. I kind of like them, too. But anyway, suppose that you are looking for a scary movie to watch this Halloween, but you wanted to have a Christian spin on it. Now, all of these movies came from the Family Christian Bookstore. Granted, none of us have watched them, so we don't know, uh, we don't know what, they're, what kind of content is in them. But we do have some of the synopsis for them. Um, here, we'll start with this one. It's called The Visitation. It's starring Randy Travis and Edward Furlong. Also, the only real John Connor. Let's see. What else was he in? He was in American History X. And uh, I think he was in one of the Crows. Anyway, so uh, let's see here. It was uh, based on Frank Peretti's book. And it says here, Miracles are happening in the sleepy town of Antioch, and everyone is talking about the mysterious stranger with healing hands. Is he the true Messiah, a false prophet, or something far more sinister? The townspeople are soon divided, and when happenings at the stranger's revival tent take a frightening twist, it's up to the former pastor who's lost his faith to confront his own turmoil and unlock the shocking secrets of the visitation. Mm Mm-hmm. I can see you guys are real excited about it. I'm out. Yeah, I read the book. Um, oh, so you read the book? 
Yeah, I, I didn't make the connection until just now. Uh, is it called the visitation? It's called the visitation. Now, how was the book then? Um, I didn't enjoy it as the first as much as the first two Pretty books, but the first two Pretty books were more fantastical, and and well, they had a religious theme to them. Talking about piercing the darkness and this yeah, present, present darkness and piercing the darkness. Those are good. Those I are great. Those I enjoyed um, those. And, and yet, and everybody kind of recognizes that they're they're fiction, but they've got this you know nice pleasant spin to them, action oriented. Uh, I didn't think the visitation was action oriented, and it didn't have any of the supernatural aspects. I should say, not in the same ways that the other two did. It was an interesting story, and um, I guess I think there was maybe like a supernatural um, manifestation of Christ at the end, if I remember right. Um, but anyway, it was it was okay. I I've never been intrigued enough to go back and read it a second time, as compared to this present darkness and piercing the darkness, which I've probably read three times each. But knowing that, would you be interested in watching the movie now? No, not even a little bit. Because I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy oh. the book enough. Not because of Randy Travis. <laughs> oh, Randy Travis. Uh, the last movie I found it, it's also uh, uh, let's see here. It, it appears to be a conglomeration of Ted Decker. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Shivers and Fred, Frank Freddy again. This is called This is called House. House is a tale of punishment and redemption that will keep you pinned to the edge of your seat. This thriller tells the story of a struggling couple who have grown apart since the untimely death of their daughter. But when they become trapped inside a mysterious house guarded by a killer who calls himself the Tin Man, played by Michael Madsen. Uh, what was he? He was in Free Willy. And Free Willy 2. Do you uh, remember people in movies he far was, better than I? He was in Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Still, I don't um, think I've seen any one of those. Let's see here. What else has he been in lately? Free Willy? With the, no, with the whale with the dorsal fin that arched over it? No. Oh, it's I a good did. one. I a did. We were kind of old for that. Oh, he was also too old. He, he was also in uh, that one alien movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but whatever, anyway. AVP? What? Alien vs. Predator? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, no. Uh... Not that I've seen that or anything. Oh, that's a good one. Did you see the sequel? <laughs> no. I haven't seen the oh, sequel. Oh, it's good. Is it good? <laughs> Not really. Uh, well, there were some really cool parts in it. Um, There's a part in it where one of the, predator, the, the protagonist predator comes across a dead predator. And so what he does is he steals a shoulder cannon. And he walks around with two shoulder cannons. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Back to <laughs> back to house. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Where was I? He uh, calls himself the Tin Man. They are forced to confront their most disturbing secrets of the past. It's only 88 minutes long, so that's a little over an hour. Not very many secrets of the past in that one. No. <laughs> so anyway, if you are looking for Christian-themed alternatives to this Halloween, uh, there are a few. You know, it strikes me as ironic that we would pair a Christian belief with a focus on fear. I mean, it doesn't seem to me like uh, the two go together very nicely. And I think that's perhaps a similar argument for why uh, Halloween is a difficult one for for many to endorse. So we did have, uh, over the past few weeks, we have received uh, quite a few email messages. Uh, We're going to share a few of those uh, tonight just to kind of pass those along. we had one person that called us out on our favorite films. So uh, to share that, uh, because our criticism was specifically of our good friend David, and so to share that, we're going to let David read this email. 
So we really appreciate everybody that's taken the time to contact us um, and talk to us about the things that we've podcasted about. And we had some feedback from the uh, podcast a while back where we discussed our favorite movies. I'm, I'm sure you guys remember when we talked about that. And of all the responses we got, I, I, one particularly caught my eye. It was sent to us uh, directly from Taiwan from Monica Moreland. I thought I'd, I'd uh, thank her by reading her email and then having a little short discussion if we want to about the points that she makes. She begins with David, David, David. Even though I have enjoyed the podcast greatly, thank you very much, Monica. I must say that one thing really did disappoint me about the podcast. I never pictured you as a person who promotes such bad moral values. You encourage children to run away from their parents. You promote someone who thinks herself as perfect as Jesus. And you encourage dancing on the roof with strangers. If you guys don't remember, I was in our in our favorite movies podcast. I was sharing that my favorite movie is Mary Poppins. We've tried to block that out. I know that I, in order to keep my respect of you, I've had to kind of push that to the side. Well, it, during that episode, I gave all of the... Uh, very good reasons why that is such a uh, upstanding and and invaluable movie, but Monica is disagreeing here. So just to set the framework of her email, I mean, I don't completely disagree with the last one. She's talking about dancing on the roof, but really, to promote watching a movie where children cause a financial uproar in such an unstable economic situation as we're in now, and to be entertained by someone telling his boss to go fly a kite, I know many of us have dreamed of such a moment, but really, the disrespect of it all. Also, as a teacher, I must say, leaving children in the hands or in the care of a witch-like nanny for the day who has a split personality and takes make-believe uh, journeys to dangerous levels. Wow. My opinion of you has greatly diminished ever since I heard you acknowledge Mary Poppins as the greatest movie ever. You were definitely not the person I thought you were. Oh, and just making up words when you don't have anything better to say? What if all society just started making up words? You really should stop and think before you make such a rash decision to promote such a movie on a podcast that has reached international proportions. Thank you again, Monica. Yes, thank you, Monica, for uh, helping us diminish the uh, importance of... Harry Poppins in this CP cast because I know no, no, no I was us, only finger for the the rest of us were not quite so entertained. <laughs> uh, uh, she finishes with, uh, "I just wanted to share my disappointment and encourage you to use a little more caution when pushing ideals upon society." Your faithful friend in Christ, Monica. So I'm sure that you guys agree with me that while we appreciate Monica's input, we feel like she's really out in left field here. You can be sure that we don't agree with you on that. I'm going to speak for myself. The other guys might. I kind of like dreaming. Uh, what, what amazes me is um, having having spent a day at Disney World with you and Monica and some other friends, the fact that her opinion of you could get any lower after that <laughs> joyous day, and that tells me a lot. Yeah, Monica's a, Monica's a good friend. I appreciate her email. I, 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 I think I'll, I'll allow her to have the last word right there because we, we do appreciate her taking the time to write us that message. So thank you, Monica. Thanks. Yes, thank you. Do you want to do Rich's email too? Because it wasn't the same episode. Yeah, yeah. Rich, Rich. Uh, we had another friend, uh, Rich Roland. He emailed us and, and says, "Loved." Uh, he was talking about the the fantasy draft that we have. Love the draft, but I think you guys missed out on Peter. Perhaps you should keep him in mind for a mid-season pickup. Although I'm not sure who his agent is. As Mel Kuyper would say, take a look at this guy, Peter. Now, here's a guy with plenty of upside. He's a high-motor guy who brings intensity every day. He's a little raw on the edges and has tendency to jump before seeing where he's going to land. He could use some help on his footwork and sometimes backs out of commitments. But if you're looking for someone who's afraid of stepping out of the boat, 
who's not afraid of stepping out of the boat and not afraid to cut off an ear or two when the situation calls for it, then I have to believe Peter is your pick. Someone is going to be very happy to have him as a part of their team. I think Rich makes a good point. Rich, the very good email, Rich. Uh, finally, the last step, uh, the last. Uh Last one we're going to read for tonight. Yeah, the last yeah. one we're going to read. Um, this comes from Roger. Uh, he is actually out in Hawaii. Hawaii? Yeah, yeah Hawaii. Uh, let's see. Aloha, Roger. Yes, aloha. Uh, hey, how do they say Merry Christmas? Uh, Melikaliki Maka. There, there you go. Um, uh, okay. So Roger gave us some suggestions. Uh, he says, uh, first of all, when tackling issues like murder slash dog fighting, it's a great opportunity to bring friends into uh, friends with a pertinent perspective. Uh, so he's talking about the podcast where we talked about Michael Vick. Yeah, the value of human life. So we all agree with you on that. That yes, we should. We're, we're working hard to try and find people that uh, do have a pertinent perspective. Uh, the only problem is he insinuating is, that we do not have pertinent <laughs> perspectives. Should we get a murderer or a dog fighter to uh, come on? Yeah. Let's go Michael Vick. Well, but, but anyway, the, we have some scheduling problems, though. It's hard enough for the four of us to schedule this thing out as it is, and to add a, a fifth or a sixth person in the mix will be uh, that much harder. But we are working on it, and, uh, and we will take note for that. Yeah, the um, main thing is that it's, it's our primary content. It's something we enjoy doing from time to time. Right. It, it's, Yeah. Um, second, you you said here that you like the pop culture references and that uh, there are definitely good thoughts and lessons that Christians, as Christians, we can pull from Hollywood movies. Um, yeah, uh, there again, it's an issue of time. All of us uh, have only so many hours in the day that we can consume media and then think about it for a great while. Uh, I think that's. I think it is a valid point, and we will try our hardest to incorporate that. Um, we are working on the production. Uh, we are all new to this, and so we are trying to to get this a little more cohesive. Um, Roger had some good ideas for you know. But going back to the uh, consuming of you know pop culture and media and and thinking about it for a while, I think we ought to enlist a few into our brain trust to spend some time doing that for us and send us comments. Yeah, we need a ZB think tank. Anybody that wants to participate in the ZB think tank can contact us. We will enlist their services. That's right. Our email addresses are our first names at zionbound.com. Drop us a line. Yeah. Thank you, Roger. Thanks, Roger. All right. And on that note, Aaron? Thank you guys all for listening. Feel free to drop us a line whenever you... Whatever you're thinking about it, um, some upcoming episodes we are going to uh, we're going to record are going to deal with holidays. We're going to uh, we're also going to do what else are we going to do? Food. Oh yeah, we might do it. Yeah, we'll do we'll do some episodes on food. If you guys have uh, uh, some favorite restaurants, send those send us send those our way. Maybe good sermons. Good sermons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody has heard a good sermon, let us know. A good book. Yeah, good books, good sermons. Definitely. So uh, send us send us your feedback we, or your comments. We'd like to include them when we can. Until we are together at last in Zion, let us remain Zion-bound.